Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. Today, Randy and I are speaking with multi-hyphenates James Lafferty and Stephen Coletti. James Lafferty is an actor, director, writer, and producer, best known for his work on the popular television series One Tree Hill. James' other credits include Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House, NBC's Crisis, WGN's Underground, and Blumhouse Productions' Oculus, among others. James has also directed several episodes of One Tree Hill and The Royals for Lionsgate. Stephen Coletti, also known for his work on One Tree Hill and MTV's Hit the Floor, made his film debut in Normal Adolescent Behavior and has continued working in films such as Shannon's Rainbow, Mask Maker, and All About Christmas Eve. Most recently, James and Stephen wrote, produced, and starred in Everyone is Doing Great, which screened its pilot at Series Fest Season 4 and took home Best Comedy Writers, and returned Season 5 to premiere their second episode. Coletti and Lafferty crowdfunded the first season of the series, achieving eight episodes. The comedy series premiered on Hulu in January of 2021. Hi, Stephen. Hi, James. What's going on? Good to see you guys. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to have you both here. Um, so Everyone's Doing Great is now out on Hulu, but I thought we'd actually go back a little bit and start with the genesis of the project and actually how you two met. So James, can you just give us a little background for those who maybe don't know how you guys know each other? Yeah, so Steve and I met back in, was it 2005, 2004, 2005, um, on uh, One Tree Hill. Um, uh, yeah, we basically met at uh, Cape Fear Community College when we were shooting Cape Fear Community College for <laughs> Tree Hill High School. Uh, I was there. I think it was one of Steven's first days on set. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we met there and, and kind of became fast friends, um, both of us being from California, Southern California specifically, and uh, being shipped off to a strange land in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, with, uh, with no parents around, uh, no chaperones and, uh, uh, getting our, I think, you know, it was, it was, it was our first sort of, um, foray into, you know, being out on your own, uh, doing very adult things, um, working, uh, what felt like an important job at the time, uh, and, you know, kind of living a dream a little bit, you know, to, to be on that show at that age was, uh, we just felt super, super fortunate and to be surrounded by people that were, you know, uh, young as well and, you know, excited to be there. Um, but we, we sort of became fast friends just getting to know the town and um, making friends in the town and enjoying um, Wilmington and Wrightsville Beach. Uh, it's just such an amazing setting for for really anything, but um, also an amazing place to have your first job, um, first big job, I guess. And uh, and so, yeah, from there, you know, I think you we continued to stay friends as Steven dipped in and out of the show over the years. Um, we continued to be friends back here in Los Angeles when we would come home for hiatuses and things like that. And um, that sort of led us into the next phase of our lives and our careers when the show was over. And um, it was time to figure out what to do next and whether or not we were going to be 
um, you know, captaining what came next. And so how did the concept for everyone is doing great come about and you guys working together, obviously now you've been on screen, but to come kind of behind the scenes and creatively work together, I think that's really an exciting transformation. So how did that come about, Stephen? Yeah, I think it's been um, that thankfully something that's evolved over, over years, because if you listened in on the conversations that James and I were having in our early twenties, as we were spitballing ideas and, and sketches we wanted to shoot or you know, almost like a parody of like a YouTube video, you know, just turning into something uh, that was, you know, very, very half-baked uh, to then, you know, through our years of, um, you know, on, on our own working with different projects and trying to get things made. Um, I, I think it was like a natural evolution to like, you know, as, as we would sit together in, in LA and, and kind of commiserate over, over all sorts of different things, a project that didn't get picked up or something we'd be trying to get off the ground. Um, to one day being like, Hey, look, I feel like, you know what, like there's some, you have some great strengths that I feel like fit weaknesses here. And this is something that's kind of, I think happening subconsciously where it's like naturally coming together, felt like it would be a good fit. Um, we complement each other and, and I feel like bring both bring something different to the table, um, while sharing, um, you know, a similar, for example, um, sense of humor in, in a way, you know, of uh, type of shows that we would we would talk about and and um, and laugh over and, and sometimes watch together, um, and, and kind of joke around like, oh man, how fun would it be to to get in a comedy like that? Because you know, I I know I wasn't seeing many opportunities like that, and um, and, and James, I don't think so as much. Um, so, you know, from there, I, I you know, we have James to thank for this for actually being the one to be like having that epiphany and waking up being like, you know what, I feel like maybe Steven and I should try to do something together. And so he came to me with, you know, basically the idea at first was on a piece of paper of um, kind of a, a day in a life of uh, these guys in LA. Um, and then from there, you know, we just started kind of, um, you know, James is like, you know, I want you to create your character and, and create that whole world and I'll work with mine and let's bring them together and, and see, you know, what, what else we have here. And so from there, um, yeah, few writing sessions and, and thankfully that all, it all came together nicely um, and I, I think, you know, you know, all those years of spending time together and knowing each other well, being able to, you know, say, uh, you know, kind of help each other out. And if they're, you know, trying to get to an idea to it, a place or, or a piece of, of, of a story and into a character or whatever, um, to kind of fill in those blanks together. Um, I think it was nice when it all came together for the show. I'm curious why you chose to do it as a pilot. Um, and what made you make that decision that you wanted it to be a series versus a short or a feature film? I think it was kind of out of necessity. Um, we had been, you know, both of us have been kind of frustrated with trying to get our own um, projects individually, like off the ground. It's just so hard to get something from script into development, um, let alone onto onto the screen, um, going through the conventional system that is Hollywood. Um you, you know, even if you have a profile, there are just so many things that need to fall into place before you can even get into development. It's like those stars have to align so many times in so many different ways for you actually to be getting on set. Um, and uh, I had been fortunate enough to work with um, the Nelms brothers and Michelle Lang and Johnny Durango, who are kind of a film family. And they put together, um, you know, they put together an independent film once every few years. And they've really learned to build things from the ground up. Um, to just get off their butts and and do it and learn as they go. And um, I just sort of saw them getting more and more um, sort of uh, just getting more and more power in their creativity as they went from project to project. Um, it seemed like every time they did something, they learned so much that they brought into their next project 
which was bigger and more ambitious and, um, and, and they continued to get better at it. And so after watching them do that for a while, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know, it just kind of, it just kind of hit me and, and probably Steven at the same time. Like we need to start developing that skill set. We need to mm. start learning how to build something from the ground up. Um, so naturally we went straight to them. We went straight to the Elms brothers and their whole film family to see if they would get behind this project. Um, and they were really supportive of us shooting a pilot um, for, you know, for what would be a season and then possibly taking that pilot out and maybe shopping it around to see if somebody would pick it up for a season. Um, it sounded like a good idea to us at the time. Um, it was unconventional and outside the box hadn't been done that many times, if at all. And, um, and, and, you know, cause this was, I guess, you know, early 2017. Um, but you know, we just figured we had an idea. We wanted to, we knew exactly what it was and what we, we wanted it to look like and what we wanted it to feel like. And we really wanted to have the best shot possible at protecting that right out of the gate. Um, so it was sort of a confluence of all of these different things that just made us think, um, you know, this is not going to be the easiest way to do it, but it's going to be the way that we're going to learn the most. And it's definitely going to be the most interesting way. And it's definitely going to be the way that the finished product, the best way to get the finished product that we, we know we're looking for. Amazing. And I, I recall, cause you did a lot of crowdfunding for this too. And had you ever crowdfunded before? How did that come about? What were your kind of key takeaways? We're, we're, um, we're so glad we did the crowdfunding and, and it, it was probably one of the, um, the things we were thinking about last, I, I felt like there was a, f- a few paths to getting um, other episodes made. And, and we, to be honest, like we didn't want to crowdfund. Um, we knew it was gonna be a difficult task, but um, thankfully that after the experience of, of just doing the pilot, getting, you know, kind of wet in our beak with the idea and the team and, and the story um, that kind of all of a sudden, you know, that was thrusting us forward with this project of like, all right, we need to figure out, um, how we're going to do this no matter what come hell or high water we're going to get this show made because you know we believe in it everyone else is kind of coming together for it we feel like it's just yeah it, it's you know we're, we're just we're excited about it and so for that little bit of energy to to you know have us put our our, our egos down and, and our fears to the side of like all right we're going to do something where we're going to put ourselves out there um heavily and and ask other people for money and and have them um and do it publicly <laughs> have them help us uh get there it's you know it's not a comfortable thing and um you know um yeah james and i looked together or looked at each other at one point um after we'd done the pilot and we're like we're i think that you know the best chance we have of this guaranteeing that we're going to be able to make more of it is crowdfunding right and and um that's kind of continuing to keep you know, more of the power in our hands, um, ish, you know, we're still, we still got to have other people contribute, but, um, we're still kind of the, the main driving force on it. And so, um, and as we were also, you know, learning about, um, places like you guys, like series fest, where, you know, we could take our, our pilot and, and show it and give people a little taste of what it is. Um, you know, it started to make sense, started to come into focus. It was like, all right, well, first of all, there's this, this excitement about these festivals and being able to go and show it and get people energized about it. But like, now, if we go there and we're doing our, you know, campaign at the same time, obviously, you know, natural, you know, cohesion and, and, and being able to hopefully get the, the, the funds and, and, um, our cohesiveness that, that, you know, we'd be able to, to get, okay, people understand the project, spreading the word out and, oh, they're trying to, you know, raise, uh, funds for this. So, um, thankfully it worked out that way. And, and, you know, not only getting the word out to the public, but, 
um, it's at Series Fest, you know, with you guys, like one of the biggest moments for crowdfunding for us was, um, you know, after showing it uh, at one of your screenings, um, having somebody who was there just to support, you know, the arts and, and you know, understood what we were doing uh, and decided to, to step up and, and give us like a good, you know, a good sum of money to kind of get us over the, the next hump of where we we're at in our crowdfunding. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a whole nother story, which I don't know if I want to go into too long, but just, you know, James and I sitting there in the, uh, um, in the lounge, you know, frustrated over dealing with, with, you know, stuff on the internet and trying to get the, the crowdfunding thing, the momentum continuing to build it because it's something that you do have to service every day. And it's, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it for anybody. If you're getting into crowdfunding, it, it's, it's a big task, but you could do it. You just have to be prepared to, to service it every single day in, in doing what might be more, something that you're, um, you're more, you're more uncomfortable with, uh, than you were doing before, which is again, asking people for money basically every day. And, um, you know, thankfully, you know, I, I guess in, in one of our, our moments of, of trying to work YouTube and get a video out um, about our progress, somebody was was there and, and, and saw us there at Sirius Fest and came over and just started talking to us. And um, it was from there um, she decided to contribute. So we're, we're very grateful for that opportunity. And another reason why we're just excited to be here, because, you know, thank, thankful for Sirius Fest. Like, I don't know if, you know, we don't know where we'd be without um, having the opportunity to uh, to show our show with you guys. So. Thank very you. That means that. so much. I think, you know, Kaylee and I as artists starting Series Fest, I think we did it because we wanted to support other artists and other people's creative visions. And that's about the best compliment I think either of us can receive. So I really, truly mean that. Thank you. So grateful you you brought the show to us and um, we were able to screen it and and that Kaz Matthews came in and, and supported her fund and she's been great to other uh, pilots as well at the festival. And that's amazing to hear that it was in that moment of desperation and that you needed something like that. And um, it just happened. It was such a, such a guardian angel moment. <laughs> it's funny you say guardian angel, Jim. I was thinking about Series Fest earlier before we got on this and I was just, and it, it brings me joy thinking about your guys' festival and looking back at that time for many reasons. I'm going to keep this short. Otherwise I can talk about it and take up all your time here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys were a guardian angel for us. And it's funny that James just said that about Kaz, um, who came in at, at that, at that very pivotal moment for us. Um, and, and, and I think that it's, it's not, you know, just for other, uh, you know, creatives out there who are you know trying to figure out what to do with their projects and whether you're deciding or crowdfunding or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's not just, okay, you're going to come in here. Maybe you'll, you'll get your goal of, of crowdfunding. There's just, with all the other opportunities that you guys have to offer um, at different stages of development with your projects and whatever you're doing and the avenues you're taking to uh, to try to get your project made, like you offer great resources and for people to, um, you know, to be able to, and you never know, right? Be a realist here. I only like to embellish my stories you know, on screen, but it, it, you know, you never know. Uh, nothing's guaranteed, but at least, you know, for, for, for people that are have all these questions and, and want to be inspired and, and want to find, you know, feel like they're getting a good shake at, at trying to get something made. Like you guys have offered a lot of avenues uh, to, to people for that. And, and so, um, yeah, can't say enough good things. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, which crowdfunding platform did you use? We used uh, Indiegogo. Yeah. And we chose Indiegogo because um, well, I guess there was a lot of different things. Uh, there was a lot of ways to differentiate the different platforms at the time. I think at the time there was like Seed and Spark, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Um, there might have been a few others, but those were the top three. 
they all had their um, strengths and their weaknesses, depending on what kind of project you have. Uh, I think at the time, Indiegogo had more flexibility in terms of what you could take home if you only met a certain percentage of your goal. Um, and there's a, a various other sort of, um, you know, settings and criteria that we were looking at. And I think everybody looks at when they go into crowdfunding is like, which one of these platforms is going to be right for me? Um, but at the time they really did, they really were easy to differentiate. And I think now if you get into the crowdfunding game, just from the little, um, just from the little bit more that I've learned about it, I think they all try to stay as flexible as possible to, you know, attract as many people to their platform as possible. But, um, yeah, at the time it was, a, it was kind of a big decision because there were certain things that Kickstarter wouldn't let you do, certain things that Indiegogo wouldn't let you do, certain things that they both would let you do. Um, and we just landed on Indiegogo because we were, um, yeah, we thought their flexibility would, would sort of work with us. And, um, and I think, you know, it was, it was also, I think they had a really strong platform for the arts, I think a little bit stronger than Kickstarter at the time. Um, I, I think Kickstarter was definitely the place to go if you were, um, selling some sort of, uh, device or you're, you know, raising money for, um, you know, something that had a little bit more utility <laughs> than, uh, than a, you know, comedy pilot, comedy series. But, um, but yeah, we were impressed with what people had done on Indiegogo just for, you know, the arts in general. I guess my next question would be, so you decided to go out, you made an independent pilot, but then you decided to continue and make the full series independently. How did that decision come about? It was, um, again, based off of the momentum of, of doing that, that one episode or, you know, that little week of shooting and, and the team that we brought together for that. Um, we, we had always imagined, um, this idea, it was always going to be a pilot for a series, right? It wasn't just a short, um, from, from the jump, James and I first talking about it, we had, um, gosh, man, I, James, I think we wrote out all of our episodes, right? Or we at least had an idea of where we had actually written, we had actually written 10 scripts. Yeah. Um, and then when we realized that we weren't going to have the money to do 10 scripts, we compressed the season down into eight episodes, which I think actually really helped us. Um, we didn't realize how much filler we had in there until we, until we really just tightened it all up and, um, and, and, and pared it down into eight episodes. And then those eight episodes really moved. Um, so yeah. And we even, we even, um, uh, and what did we learn from actually some of the folks at Indiegogo, um, was that, you know, just kind of, you want to start, don't want to shoot too high with your goal, try to get something realistic. So it kind of can help people feel like they're rallying around something that's going to be successful or that is successful. Um, and so I think we were, we were looking at doing six episodes. Um, we had our 10, like James said, and then we were condensing them and then possibly just going to do six. And I think that's what we started our, our crowdfunding, um, campaign with, and then with the hopes of, of, of doing a couple more. And then sure enough, we, we did kind of start to, as we hit goals, um, you know, at least more information and say, Hey, we're actually, I think we're going to be able to spread this out to, uh, to eight episodes. Um, but yeah, so it was, um, again, uh, the driving force of, of the, the team coming together and having, you know, felt, we felt like ah, it's rare for me and, and, you know, getting together with some people and having an idea, um, talking about it and, and really imagining in your mind what it's going to be and then actually having it show up on screen or even better <laughs> exceeding your expectations. You know, for me, it was such a aha moment where I was like, okay, we have to keep going with this. We, we got to figure out a way to make more. Um, you know, we, we actually accomplished what we set out to do with our pilot. And then I feel like we can do that with the other episodes. So, 
Um, that's why we were like, all right, you know, hell bent, we're going to do this. Did you ever in the process try and pitch it at all and take it out to network just with the pilot? Or were you just like, we're just going to go make these eight episodes? Yeah, we did. That was uh, another big part of the learning curve was, Mm -hmm. you know, taking that pilot episode out to quote unquote, the market, basically anybody who had a phone number, who our talent agents or managers knew, um, uh, we weren't plugged into the acquisition side of the industry at the time, which is a totally separate world. Um, and uh, so, you know, we didn't have a sales agent for the project at that time. So we we're really using our, our, our agent and our manager's contacts, you know, our agents and our managers who represent us for acting, not producing and directing and things like that um, as much. And so, you know, we, we got it to some of the right people. Um, we got close with some people. We got um, close with some companies that weren't companies again in like, you know, two or three months. I mean, we went through the whole, we went through the whole roller coaster of trying to get it out there and trying to sell it. Um, and it, it wasn't really working. I mean, we just had a, at a certain point, we had to realize that we were sitting on um, a pilot that we really believed in, but um, we had done something completely unconventional. And when we brought it to creative executives or, you know, development people at these buyers, um, it wasn't their project. It wasn't something that they had shepherded from its inception, from a pitch to a script to getting it into production. Um, it wasn't their baby. And uh, we were asking them to make it their baby and to help us make the rest of the, of the season. And that's just a hard sell. Um, and that's, you know, I don't want that to sound discouraging for people that are making independent pilots because things have changed so much in this industry, um, even in the last four years. I mean, when we were taking our pilot out, it was like late 2017, early 2018, and um, things were a lot more rigid than they are now. And, and, and content wasn't moving as fluidly from um, uh, you know creators to audiences as it is now because there are so many different platforms and opportunities. Um, I think these days it might be a little bit of a different story if we had shot that pilot, but uh, at the time, uh, the, the whole industry was changing. I mean, even, uh, platforms like Hulu and, uh, like, I mean, Hulu only had like a handful of originals at the time. Um, you know, whole, like, I think they only had one or two original comedies to speak of. There was very, very little that we could sort of model our show off of. We had a couple of examples of like other shows that had done something similar going from independent to, sort of, you know, a, a major, uh, buyer, like high maintenance on HBO or, um, uh, what's the one that came from comedy central, um, broad city workaholics and broad city. Mm. Um, you know, they went from sort of YouTube to comedy central. We could point to these things, but it was still the, the connection was still super ambiguous. And, um, so at a certain point we just realized like the only way we're going to be able to get this done is kind of how we did the pilot. We're going to have to do this independently. Um, so we started writing it and, and tailoring it to um, to be able to do that, right? Uh, we knew that we needed to write um, seven more episodes. So, but we also knew that we were going to need to shoot those seven episodes like one big um, independent film, all of it on the same block, right? In the same schedule block. So w- that's what we had to sort of do going in: is is take this big bloated sort of outline for the season that we had and all these like wonderful ambitious things that we thought we were going to be able to accomplish and go okay how do we make this how do we how do we keep this something that we are really excited about but at the same time can actually do on you know a four hundred thousand dollar budget or something like that so that became the challenge from there but um but really once we got those scripts done um and we got through the crowdfunding process 
from there, it was, I mean, we were, we were right into after, I think after we got the funds from crowdfunding, we were right into production or pre-production within the next two or three months. Um, and then from there, there was just no looking back. I think the ability to just do it and, you know, you're obviously incredible belief in it, but I, to shoot a whole series, I mean, it's, it's pretty visionary and certainly the success of it paves the way. Um, and I think is uh, so inspiring and also, you know, part of the evolution of the landscape that we're seeing needs more of this. And I, you know, I personally just find it so inspiring. Um, so, and now you've shot the whole thing. So you already had the trouble pitching the pilot, but now you've shot this whole thing. How did, how did it come about with Hulu? Well, so I should say there was, it was nice having, um, you know, the fact that we were able to crowdfund we, and know that we were shooting these episodes without having a distributor, not knowing where the heck this thing was going to land. Um, you know, we're thankful that you do have places like Amazon behind their paywall um, or, you know, like iTunes. I don't even know if iTunes actually takes episodic stuff that's independent. But I don't think so. I think, yeah. don't think so. Yeah. So thankfully, you know, at least new Amazon, we would probably be able to get on behind that paywall there. So we felt like we had a little bit of a backup plan. We're not going to completely blind, but it, there was a lot of like, <laughs> just like, I don't know, ignorant hope that we were going to, we were going to have something that we, we felt really strong, uh, strongly about and, and people will, will hopefully, you know, see that belief as well. But, um, um, so but, you know, the fact that we were crowdfunding, it was like, well, at least we don't, you know, we're not going to owe somebody, you know, <laughs> a few million dollars <laughs> from this show. Uh, we, we did have investors that came in that helped bridge a gap for us. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, from there, um, as once we had the show, um, you know, we're developing a plan of, of getting it out there. It was kind of, you know, being in our, bringing our producing team together um, and, and, and figuring out right, what's the, the best plan of action here thought we'd maybe do some buyer screenings. Um, so that was the, the first thing along with, um, sending out, uh, a couple of episodes, um, around town. And so we spent after, you know, we finished shooting at the end of, um, 2018, James and I were editing all of 2019 mostly. And we kind of had something by the end of summer. Um, and we definitely had our first couple episodes, you know, by then, in fact, um, yeah, you know, we, we, we took them out, of course, and, and, and shared the second episode. Um, but we, what we started to do was, was send, um, a kind of a deck with a couple episodes, uh, to some places. And again, I think, a, a not a, not a mistake we were making, but, um, we just didn't, we didn't really have the, the other resource was that we, you know, we were using all our talent agents, James and I, and, um, the Nelms brothers, um, the people that represent them, um, to, you know, to try to help, uh, get in the door to some of these, you know, development executives, um, and, and not the key there being development and non acquisitions. We were just kind of going at, you know, who's in development at these places that we haven't been to. Um, and, you know, we weren't getting a lot back. Um, you just, we don't know if they were watching it. We, you know, um, we don't know what the conversations were like. Um, you know, our agents were kind of sounding confident to us. Um, but again, we're just really weren't getting the response. And, and then, so we're like, all right, well, maybe these, these, these screenings will help. So we'd set those up in LA, um, and, and did a couple of those. Um, again, you'd get people RSVPing, but they actually wouldn't show up. Um, so those were, those ultimately were, were disappointing as far as, yeah, just not getting the numbers. Um, and then I think we, we kind of realized, um, down this road here as we we're you know, bashing our heads together, like where, where are we at? Um, are we getting this to the right places? We still felt like we hadn't, 
you know, we hadn't gotten into Hulu yet or, or Amazon or, or Netflix. Some of these streamers were really thought it was going to be the best home. We never really gotten a pass from them or we weren't even sure if anybody ever saw it um, over there. And, and so, um, you know, we were trying to work on, on getting a sales agent, like a real sales agent. Um, and and um, we were doing that for a couple of months as we got into 2020. And thankfully, um, through one of our producers and little side note here, he started out, you know, as, you know, working his butt off for us, you know, as key PA and, you know, some of our other producers on the team came to us and were like, Hey, you know, Stuart's doing a really good job. It's actually James's little brother, uh, Stuart Lafferty. And like Stuart's doing a really good job. Like, what do we, what do you guys think about bumping him up? And James and I are like, of course, like we'd love for him to be a producer on this thing. So we bump him up and, you know, m- months later, he winds up having a contact to, um, you know, somebody who, uh, has a friend that, that works at Endeavor content, um, that, you know, is, is a sales agent, um, and knows all the people in the acquisitions departments of these places. So we're like, Oh, sure. We'll, we'll meet him. And then all of a sudden, like this guy, Arvin, uh, at, at Endeavor content just changed the game for us. He opened up, um, <laughs> man, like just the whole world of like how we needed to be approaching, getting this thing, um, uh, to the right people, to these people in the acquisitions departments, um, and getting them to see it, you know, them, uh, Endeavor content kind of building our deck for us, using our resources, but shifting some things and, and figuring out the right way to pitch us based on what the, the market was. Um, and part of that we understood and they would explain to us part of it. We had no idea. We, we just trusted in them, um, after we were able to, you know, get an agreement with them. So that another guardian angel for us definitely is Endeavor content, um, and, and finding that. And I think that, <laughs> Look, a lot of trial and error, uh, a lot of learning uh, curves there and, and, um, and growing pains. But I think ultimately it's like, you know, rewarding somebody that came in and, and obviously, you know, stepped up for us, um, went above and beyond um, and, you know, just trying to make this this team atmosphere where you feel like everyone's a part of it because of that, you know, you know that connection paid off at, at the end for us in a huge way, like a very, very big way. Cause without Stu, we wouldn't have met Endeavor content and we wouldn't have gotten Hulu. So that's, uh, our little story of how we ended up yeah. there. It's, it's, uh, you know, of course, uh, um, you know, uh, luck is a part of it there, but you know, I, I do feel like, you know, luck is a residue of design there and, and a lot of people working hard, uh, coming together, getting us to that point. I wouldn't call that luck. I, I would just call <laughs> that like, things happening in the right time. Um, because that wasn't, you know, when I think of luck, it's just like, oh, it fell into my lap. It didn't just fall into your lap. You know, it was a bunch of hard work from a lot of really talented people. And as you just shared, I mean, it took a really long time to get here. I think sometimes we are like, oh, all of a sudden that, that show is on the air. Like that felt like yesterday was that series fast and snow. You guys, you know, like you just said, it took a year to shoot all those episodes and edit them. And, and it took a while to, to sell it. Um, and I think that's a great lesson for our listeners to remember to, you know, you have to be patient and it's a roller coaster, um, but you have to persevere, which is what you guys did, you know? Um, and I love that it was James brother. That's what a, what a great story. Yeah. yeah. And it was, and it was our other producers on the team that came to us when the first mentioned, how he was doing it. We knew we, we loved Stu. He always did a good job, but he was like, yeah, I'll help out. And then they came to us. They're like, we should bump up Stu. We're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, very, very grateful for that. That's great. One question I wanted to talk about was, or concept overall. I mean, you guys were producers, you were actors, you were directing. 
uh, you were probably, uh, you know, getting the craft services. I have no idea. I'm sure you were doing a little bit of all of it. What were the challenges with that or, or, and learning experiences? Oh man. Yeah, there was a ton. There was a ton. Um, I think we were learning every single day on this project. Um, thankfully we, you know, had extensive backgrounds as actors. Um, and these characters that we played, we'd been, we'd just grown very comfortable with them through, um, just spending so much time with them and the process of writing them. Um, we were so comfortable with the material on set every day that it did allow us a little bit more freedom, um, a little more, bit more mental bandwidth to be able to deal with all the other things that we were responsible for at the time. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest lesson was just how much your team means, um, just how important your team is, the people around you. Um, if you're going to be doing this, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera thing simultaneously, um, uh, I, I think just recognizing the importance of the people around you, your DP, your script supervisor, craft services, like literally every single person who's helping you um, make this thing while you're stretching yourself to the limit. Um, they're, they're, they're so, so important. Um, putting that team together is incredibly important. And then making sure that um, you are servicing everything that they need to get their jobs done as well. Um, you know, that, that mutual respect is, is really everything. And then I think, you know, as far as, once this camera stopped rolling and we wrapped production and everybody sort of went home and it was just a couple of hard drives and me and Steven, um, that's when the, that's when the real <laughs> learning started <laughs> because we had had so much time, you know, we've had so much time on set. Um, directing was a challenge, but we really had, you know, on set, we've gotten a feel for the pace of things and for the way things are supposed to look and feel. And, um, you know, uh, I think, I think we really do have a good, uh, uh, finger on the pulse as far as the rhythm of onset life. But once we got into the editing, it was really, um, a steep learning curve. Um, you know, learning to work Premiere Pro and, you know, not just making a few cuts here and there and, you know, exporting a two minute video. It's like really learning to work Premiere Pro <laughs> and sound, uh, sound design in Premiere Pro and sound edit in Premiere Pro, which you're not really supposed to be doing, but we didn't have any other way to do it. So, um, and all the way through, I mean, this this went on all the way through until we're making deliverables to send to Hulu. And we realized that we don't have the money to make deliverables and that we're going to have to try to do them ourselves. Um, there was uh, there was always something for us to learn. And and then also at the same time, there was always um, an opportunity for us to realize that we needed to sort of check our egos at the door and realize that this isn't something that we can learn. This is something that people go to school for <laughs> for a very long time to learn. So maybe we should just outsource. <laughs> like Maybe we should call in a favor and get somebody a Starbucks gift card and like have them try to do were it you, for us. So you guys were editing this um, as well? You didn't hire an editor? Yeah, we, we edited it as well. Yeah. Oh we, my goodness, uh, you guys. Yeah. We had to super impressed. Help. I mean, I was impressed before, but like, I don't know why I don't, I guess I wasn't paying attention enough in the credits, but um, that's amazing. Okay. You really did everything by yourself. I mean, I know you said you had a team, but. <laughs> well, no, we, yeah, we, we definitely had, had the team behind us, um, but there, we, uh, there were some aliases on the <laughs> credits for the editors for oh, a little while. Oh, so we're like, let's not. It wasn't yeah. until we were Hulu official. Yeah. We're like, okay, I guess we, we could kind of let it out there a little you bit, but you have to take, you right, have to take credit for that. Fine. And by the way, I hear you on the deliverables thing because the first time I had to do that, 
for an independent film, I was like, no one prepares you for this. What is this? Like, it's so much work. It's so confusing. And I was like, and then halfway through, I was asking someone for help. They're like, we just hire someone to do this for us. I was like, well, I didn't have it in the budget to do that, but why didn't my producer put it in the budget for that? Like, still to this day, I'm just like, when I see that folder on my computer, on my Dropbox, I'm like, oh, I like get nauseous, like just thinking about all of that. That's so, wait, was I your producer? No, really. <laughs> no. Didn't put it in the budget? No, no, it was, it was not you. I feel like that would be my that that would be my biggest cautionary advice to anybody making a movie is like, okay, make sure you have you either have the money for deliverables when you're like done when you think you're done with your movie, you're not done with your movie or your TV show. Like, there's this whole other world of work to do. So make sure you got some money in the bank for it, or make sure that you know, start preparing yourself for the process before you get into it. Um, because it's just a whole other level of production, right? Like you have your, you have your pre-production, your onset production, you have your editing and finishing quote unquote, finishing the movie, but then deliverables, both paper deliverables and your digital deliverables are going to be another level of production that you've got to be prepared for. And nobody really talks about because it is the most eye bleedingly boring <laughs> part of the whole process. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody's like, Oh yeah. Like it was uh, crazy. I just spent the last three months on deliverables. You, there's nothing you can say about it. That's interesting in conversation. So nobody talks about it. And then, um, if you're an independent filmmaker or whatever, you just get blindsided by it. You're like, wait, why didn't any of my filmmaker friends tell me about this? And it's because they either didn't do it themselves or they just want to forget. That <laughs> I'm over here laughing happened. hysterically. So I don't cry. <laughs> because <laughs> it was like such a wow that that part of the process was like wait what <laughs> it was almost You're like, like there's so I'm much I'm an actor I'm a director I'm a writer I need to be creating why am I doing these deliverables and then <laughs> I don't know did you guys have to deal with a CAMA a collection account management company did you guys that's I know for independent film we had to do it and that sometimes I get emails from them and I'm just like, oh, yeah. oh my God, why am I still dealing with this movie? If I had known in 2014 <laughs> when I started developing this movie that in 2021 I would still be dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we're into that process as well. <laughs> so what are you guys working on now? Uh, we are working on, I can't remember who answered the last question, so I'll just start this okay. one and you can finish it, Steven. We're working on, uh, we're working on season two. Um, we've gotten a really good response <gasps> from season one. Yeah. I mean, we look, we, you never know how something's going to be received. Um, we also knew that this going into making this show, we knew it was going to be really dry and weird. We knew it was supposed to make people feel uncomfortable. Like that's what the, that's the sort of humor we're drawn towards is like this awkward, uncomfortable humor. So we knew it wasn't going to be for everybody. Um, we were hoping that at least half the people liked it. If we got like a 50% success rate, we've been like, cool. Half the people like it. That's great. But um, it seems like a little more than half of the people have liked it. It seems like we're getting a good response. A majority of people are really digging it. Um, it's doing well in other markets that um, we've that we've sort of licensed to. And um, and we just, you know, we've always felt like really good personally about doing a season two. We've always known we wanted to do it. But getting a positive response and positive feedback for the show has just made us feel like, um, you know, th- that we really should do it. And it's just kind of funny because like, Right now, our show on Hulu, it's just licensed content for, um, you know, a couple of years or whatever. But um, and so there's really like nobody telling us whether or not we can or can't do it. Right. Like there's nobody saying like, OK, the show's canceled. Everybody go home. Like we own the show. It's done. And there's also nobody saying, OK, this is our show. and We're really excited about it. We're going to pick it up. 
it's just like, it's kind of the ball is completely in our court. <laughs> and so we have to sort of make the decision as to whether or not we get picked up. And um, right now we're unilaterally deciding that we've been picked up. <laughs> That's so awesome. We're Congratulations. Just, we're just Congratulations. Just riding. <laughs> Randy <laughs> and I would Thank both you. like cameos. Good. We would like to come on set. <laughs> yes. We, we want to be cameos. Perfect. We want to- can, can our characters go to series? Oh, fest? that's oh a great gosh. idea. Yes. But I have to be honest. I always play the assistant in everything I get cast in. So I think it would only be fitting if like I played Randy's assistant at series <laughs> fest. We'll keep that in mind. We would, it would add to an already a great cast from series fest that we've accumulated. Yeah. Another thing about being at that festival. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we met other creatives that, um, you know, that we just fell in love with for all sorts of different reasons. And, and, I mean, we met three people there that we, we wound up putting in our show. We probably would have done more um, if we had the money to fly people from New York City. <laughs> but it was like, all right, who's, who was at Series Fest? Was living in L.A.? <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, it, uh, yeah, there was, mm-hmm. you know, there was a few people from there. So we'll, we'll have to add you to the bunch. That's awesome. Definitely. Well, season two, you'll go to New York. We love that. <laughs> and, and Denver. <laughs> Totally. And I was just going to say, I think that's so important of why also independent content so important is keeping the power in the creator's hands. And I love that you guys could green light yourselves for a season two. And um, I think, you know, you hear so many, you know, hear a lot of horror stories sometimes where, you know, with major networks and distribution and how how it gets taken over. And I love that this show is so you from top to bottom and inside and out. Um, and I, oh, for one, thank can't you. wait for a season two. I'm sorry. I have to ask this. You, I don't yeah. think I've ever asked this question to you. The, in the pilot, Steven, your audition, when you basically have to have sex with a pillow, <laughs> yeah. maybe it wasn't in a and a when you guys talked about this. Is that based on a real audition that one of you had or a friend had, or is that just because auditioning is so absurd in so many ways that you just took it to the extreme? Um, both actually. So yeah, I, I had, I had an audition where, <laughs> Um, the, this, the most distinct memory I have is, is after doing what was planned and what was discussed before entering the room of what we were going to be doing was, um, a casting assistant going over to like a closet and like opening the door. Like it wasn't even out in the room. It was like, we're going to try something else pulling this blanket. And this image is in the show a blanket with a pillow on it, like into the room. And then from there I had to act something out, of course, not as, as aggressive, um, uh, as, as what you see in the show, but, um, there, there was an approach of the, uh, pillow on the blanket and it was supposed to be a person. And, uh, there was some weird stuff that I was doing, but, um, yeah, we, we took that was, and I just remember, you know, walking out of there, like laughing hysterically. I tell a lot of people that story about, you know, people like how things in LA, you know, and they're like, what's auditioning like? And I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and people always, so it was early on. Yeah. James and I were like, we, I think we just like, we got to go with that story and and let's play with it. Yeah. And we were, we were showing rough cuts of the pilot episode to pretty much everybody whose eyeballs we could get for feedback. And, um, some of those people were actors, like our actor friends. And we had at least two people go <laughs> after watching that scene, go, did you guys do that audition? Was that, were you at that audition? Like it was, they watched an audition that oh they had God. actually been through. And we were like, we were like, I don't know. I guess apparently it happens all the time. <laughs> I, be- I believe it. I believe it. I have to say though, I, 
I went in for Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which actually I was in, but I got cut, so no one will ever see it, including me. But I went in for it for, you know, this the montage of when they're having sex with him, like all the women that are having sex with him when they break up at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I went in for one of those, and I walk in, and it's like Jason Siegel and the director and like all the producers. And I literally asked, I was like, do you want me to start at the top of the scene with like the <laughs> orgasm or do you want me to start like later? And they're like, no, 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 you can start later. And it's just like, thank God. I'm like, I just really could not imagine in front of like five men and like the cat, the one woman casting, just having to do it. Um, oh man. But yeah. So uh, I, it's just the fact that like, that's an, actually a question that you had to ask in an audition is just absurd in itself. Well, they didn't even like, yeah, they didn't they didn't tell me anything like clearly before. So I think when I was watching it and I recently was rewatching the show because I'd seen it at, um, clearly at Series West, but I was watching it. I like honestly had to get up and leave the room because I was like, <laughs> oh, this just feels like a little too close to home. It kind of feels like I, I remember I remember that like well, yeah, so we, well that audition like it was yesterday. We've exchanged a few messages, a lot of friends <laughs> and people from the industry. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, whoa, way too close to home there. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's something you're taking into season two that you wish you had known when starting out with season one? Oh man, that's a great question. That is um, a really great question. Have we learned any lessons, Stephen? <laughs> Have we learned anything? <laughs> uh, less us, more others. <laughs> yeah, what do you yeah. mean, on screen? Yes, th- yes, that's the main. Yes, one. yes. Yeah. Well, off screen yeah. as well. Probably. We're, we're really looking forward to making. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, uh, part of part of like, listen, the first season was very Jeremy and Seth are characters, Jeremy and Seth centric because, um, you know, at the time we had so little money. Like the only real guaranteed um, <laughs> actors that we knew we were going to have every single day were me and Steven. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was we had um, Alexandra Park and we had Kari behind, but they you know, they work and Alex was on a show. Like we didn't actually, when we were writing the show, we didn't actually know how many days we'd have her for. Um, and there was, you know, pretty much every other character was like that as well. Um, that we were having a hard time holding on to cast because other people had other things to go do. And so, um, but this year, I think, um, because of, you know, because we've gotten a little bit more clever about, um, consolidating actors or, you know, characters to locations and things like that. We've, we've been able to, do what we always wanted to do, which is make it a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a forehander between, uh, the guys and the girls, you know, in, in the show and, um, and make it a little bit more about this sort of like friendship, uh, you know, like it's, it was friendship group, right. Of all these people who, uh, had this like wonderful time in their lives when they are, were all friends and they were all in love. Um, and all of the circumstances in their lives have changed. Um, and they've sort of been blasted scouter shot out into the world and they're still holding on to each other um for reasons that they can't even you know they they might not even belong together they they there's sort of like a dysfunctional friend family but they really they can't get over each other there's something that they want to hang on to right there's something that's still inherently there a bond that that keeps them together um uh, for better or for worse and so uh we wanted to make it more of a forehander in the second season and have the the female characters a lot a lot more involved be following them more actually seeing the world through their eyes um so uh that's that's sort of what we're trying to do right now that's awesome that's great so before we wrap up i just have one last question for both of you and since we started with james steven maybe we'll start with you if you could have worked on 
any television show in history, what would it have been and what would you have done on it? Mm. Uh, that's a great question. Um, man, my mind right now first is going to Mad Men. Um, mm. I, I think that I've, I haven't done anything, um, you know, in another period at a time. Well, actually, I have yeah, a little bit of flashback stuff, but um, I mean, I just there, there's so much of, of like where I was at, I think, in my acting career when I was watching that show, when I was learning from it. Um, and how like, I'm, I don't know, I'm a weird guy, attention to detail and, and, and I, I just love the detail in that show. Uh, I have a very intimate relationship with the show as far as being in Wilmington, young in my twenties, you know, trying to absorb everything in, in the world of acting and, and like seeing some incredible performances coming out of that show. Um, I, I think, yeah, being, being on that, I, I think would be really, really cool. And I love that time period. Um, um, so Mad Men, yeah, Mad Men would be. It's a good answer. I like that. That would be, that would that would be the answer. Um, and I guess who? I mean, <laughs> yeah, kind of a royal piece of shit. But Don Draper was an interesting character, very interesting character to play. Um, lot a lot going on there. So um, yeah, was was very drawn to the work that John Hamm did in that. Yeah, he was amazing on that show. Good answer. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, James, you're up. Um, I guess I'd, I guess I'd go, um, sort of along the same pedigree lines with, uh, the Sopranos Mm. and I would just play like, I would just play like someone, you know, who wasn't in the mob, but who like needed money. So he borrowed money from Christopher (laughs) Moltisanti and then he couldn't pay it back. And then I just have like three episodes where he keeps coming, coming to visit me and I'm like getting like progressively more desperate until I'm like begging him for my life. And then he just whacks me. That's that, that would be, <laughs> that's that very specific. Very, very yeah. specific. Thank you. I mean, it happened a few both, times. Both these, show, shows, so. <laughs> <laughs> both these shows missed out. I can, I can see both of those. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. This was very interesting and enlightening and I think inspiring for for me and our listeners. So thank you again for your time. You guys are always so generous with that. And uh, we're excited to see season two. Yes, thank you. Of course. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll be bringing it to Series Fest. And um, I just want to say as well, like, thank you for everything that you have done for us and for the show. Um, You know, we screened two episodes at Series Fest and it was so incredibly valuable um, to, you know, the future of the show, but also as as a creative to get to see the audience reaction from a lot of like-minded people and get to meet all the amazing people that come to Series Fest as creators um, and the people that put it on. Um, it really opened up our world in a lot of ways. And um, we're really grateful for that festival, definitely. And um, can't wait till you guys can get it up and running again in person and, and you know celebrate. That's gonna be a, it's gonna be an amazing day. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. SeriesFest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at SeriesFest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook. 